This one hits a little close to home. We are discussing the rise and fall of the world's first smartphone. We're talking movies. We're talking Blackberry, starring Jay Burchell, Glenn Howerton, and Matt Johnson. Based on the book Losing the Signal by Jackie McNish and Sean Skilhoff. Screenplay by Matthew Miller and Matt Johnson, who also directed. Chris, why would anyone want a phone without a keyboard? You want to be great? You need to sacrifice. The more painful the sacrifice, the greater you'll be. Oh, Blackberry, Bamaram. Oh, Blackberry, Bamaram. Or maybe I'll go, Waterloo. Waterloo. <laughs> hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of How'd You Like That Movie? Uh, I love CanCon, and I love CanCon that literally is from where, not only near us, but like where we live here in Cambridge, Ontario. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to be talking about the 2023 release, Blackberry. Scott, take us away. All right, if anybody's still listening after that little ensemble picture. Um, <laughs> Yeah, like you like you said, this is a little, you know, this is close to us and uh, a little history here. Like, you know, before I tried to find my calling here on the podcast with you, uh, back in this time frame, well, at the end of the BlackBerry whole industry, I was in like the telemobile industry and probably like the last three years of RIM being RIM before it switched to BlackBerry as the company so seeing this film especially like the sales side of it and the sales reps hitting these companies it just brought back a lot of uh a lot of memories especially them trying to convince me to sell the bold or the z10 over the apple and the android films or not films but phones so i mean they show it in the film we also live through history but uh do you remember that pivot point like BlackBerry was like the shit. Everybody had a BlackBerry. Everybody was like the fact that they called it the Crackberry. Everybody, do you were you in the industry when the original iPhone came online, or were you? Was it a bit? No, after? I was still I, I was still in high school at that point. Nineteen ninety six, nineteen ninety seven. I was still in high no, school. No, that is not when the iPhone came out. The iPhone came out. Oh, in like iPhone. Sorry, iPhone was what two thousand eight, two thousand seven, something like that. Yeah, I was probably I like when I entered the. The industry was probably like iPhone three. Oh, okay, so you were kind of past that that pivot point. Yeah, yeah. It was just like it was. It was like tail end of BlackBerry and stuff. It's when they went like they literally the first one, the Z10 was their first one without the keyboard that t- technically looked like uh, an iPhone, and it was all the uh, gesture motions which now the iPhone uses. Uh, so it was like up to the side would like bring you a new window up down would give you your uh, menu bar. Awesome. Uh, what did you think of this film? <laughs> um, and do you I'll miss say, your Blackberry? Actually, like watching this. Okay. I do kind of. Because you, cause you work it. in the corporate world, like as your regular job. So like, would you have preferred the Blackberry still compared to smartphones? See, I, I do like that the BlackBerry was so encrypted. 
right? That no matter. <laughs> oh, really? What, no, that is nobody. the very. That's what's really important to you. What the yeah. fuck are you doing on the side there, Scott? No, because they never got hacked. Like mm. they never got. Like that's the thing. It was so encrypted, and the way they crunched the data that you were hardly using. Like if you had a BlackBerry now, like these hundred gig plans and shit like that. Like you would never even do a a fraction of what most people are using now because it encrypted that data and crunched it down so much that you were using like nothing. So that's what I miss, right? Um, Scott and miss, you, mi- misses the old encryption. Okay, yeah. good. Anybody who's listening, we uh, in the government, make sure you get a hold of whatever Scott's got on his phone. So you, you heard them. Right, like all those messages are still on the BlackBerry server unread. Yeah, <laughs> that was like the last thing. But in terms of this movie, I'll say this: um, it is fast-paced. Like it gets through that decade very fast, but it makes it entertaining. Right, like it doesn't slow down really anything for any kind of character study. Right, it's more like the company the company is the character and that's where you're fo- you're following the rise and fall like technically the people that are inserted are just kind of inserted there just they're like they're like the to... ants inside the uh, ant farm yeah like you don't really like in terms of like like the guys trying to bid to get a nhl team right like that in total that's like what five minutes of the whole movie yeah and that's when you so know, that's the that's uh, Jim Baselli. Uh, I probably butchered his name. He's got a fucking school of uh, business, basically at the University of Waterloo. Now uh, he mm-hmm. was played by Glenn Howerton, who did a fantastic job. Actually, I think his acting uh, as a lead was was the best in the whole film. Uh, but I actually did just a bit of research. That was only one of the times he tried to buy an NHL team. He tried to buy like a, a team like three or four other times. And also, he seemed to always want to bring it to Hamilton, which I give him props. But it was cool be, like hearing him talk about like Cops Coliseum and like mm-hmm. the idea that the Pittsburgh Penguins might have came to Hamilton. <laughs> like, fuck. And the fact that uh, what's his name? The head of the NHL. Uh, what is it? Bedford or Batman. whatever. Batman. Still, like, that guy is, like, the king of the NHL. <laughs> and I know yeah, that, no. and I don't even watch hockey. Yeah, I, I still, like, I am a hockey fan. I still remember, like, the rumors, too, of them coming to, or the TA team coming to Hamilton and whether or not the NHL would allow it because of the proximity to Toronto um, Toronto and, not, and Buffalo Sabres, right? Because it, it would be taking into their their markets. Listen, tr- like Toronto sells out all its not. To, we're going to decide by for that. Toronto sells out all its games. You could put a team in Hamilton, and it would be fine. Well, it, it's a different market, right? Like Toronto is all corporately owned. Like yeah. most of their tickets are season tickets by corporations, right? Like the actual general public only has a few select tickets that or seats that they can grab and that's why they're so pricey if they were to bring it to hamilton then it'd be like the working class like regular people yeah like i remember a time where i would only go see leaf games in buffalo because buffalo sucked and their tickets were super cheap so i would cross the border to go watch the games instead of spending six hundred dollars for fucking nosebleeds uh in toronto yeah 
Anyway, uh, before before we like get into the meat of this, uh, I love the. Uh, they're, they're, I guess there'd be cameos uh, or small bit parts uh, by both uh, Michael Ironside <laughs> mm-hmm. and Saul Rubnick, who uh, is like, I always recognize him because he was in two of my favorite movies, Unforgiven and True Romance. Uh, and he has like a crazy backstory. We talked about it on our episode of On True Romance. Uh, basically born in like a refugee camp in Germany after the Second World War. Obviously, his parents are Jewish, and so they escaped the Holocaust. Then came to Canada. Uh, one of the founders of the Canadian Canadian Stage, which puts on amazing plays uh, here here in uh, Ontario. So, uh, and then of course Michael Ironside, Top Gun, Total Recall, Starship Trooper, uh, and uh, you know Sequest DSV. <laughs> As if you didn't put scanners on your. I list. do have scanners. Scanners is my first one. I mean, it's uh, again. No, a- it wasn't. You went Top Gun first. Yeah, because I like Top Gun more. But yes, of course, uh, by Mr. Cronenberg himself, the original, the OG Cronenberg. Uh, so I did not enjoy this film. <laughs> really? Yeah. So some of this is a hundred percent my fault in the sense that I forgot to look up that it's not a drama; it's a comedy. So mm. I'm sitting there and it's a bit goofy and I'm like, what I, why is this movie so goofy? And then I realized, oh, it's actually listed as a comedy. Um, I wanted more of a, like jobs, like, like Steve Jobs, like that kind of biopic, uh, you know, uh, you know, serious, you know, the rise and fall of, uh, this corporate giant or whatever. Um, I do feel it moved very quickly, but it almost moved they were trying to cover so much ground, plus what people were doing, like the the, char- the characters, the actual real pe- people were doing in kind of their own lives as well. I felt like it got a bit discombobbled. Also, you know how everybody out there knows how I feel about Jesse uh, Plemons and stuff like that. Well, here in Canada, Jay... Don't. Uh, oh, come on. Yeah, Fuck man. You. Jay... Bro- popular... Uh, what was that? Popular Mechanics? Popular Mechanics. Yeah, he was in... Pop- and Are You Afraid of the Dark? Uh, he was also in Letterkenny, uh, Almost Famous, Rules of Attraction, Million Dollar Baby, yada, yada, and Goon. Um, I don't like... I don't like him as an actor. And I'm... I'm the, I gotta be... I shouldn't be saying this shit because these are people I could actually run into at, like, TIFF or something. Uh, he's fine as an actor. I just don't like him when he's on the screen. I find him annoying. Um, which made his portrayal of Mike Lazaretti's like, I felt like it was a caricature, but even worse, the director, um, Matt Johnson, Johnson, who also played, um, Douglas Freegan. What the fuck is that? Like everything I looked at at this guy, like a, he doesn't really look like that, but he played him. Like, something out of fucking Sesame Street, man. I found that super annoying. Like, also, I'm not a big fan of, like, directors sticking themselves in such key, pivotal roles. Uh, I think it's very difficult to direct your fucking film when you're acting in it. And he just seemed like... He felt very out of place to me. Like, way over-the-top acting and stuff. Yeah, each each of these characters are character caricatures of the actual person like none of these people there's a a youtuber matthias fuck i i don't remember his last name um but he actually worked at rim and he did an 18 minute um review of just the trailer okay and he he pretty much stated each one of these people that are in the trailer and how they represent 
these characters are are not how they were oh right? okay. like he he said the same thing like in terms of the doug character he's he was nothing like that he even said um uh sorry jim Baselli? he said yeah he said they called him jim ballselli <laughs> because he had the balls but um but he said he was super likable right like he he was not like this hot tempered person that would just like fucking like lose his shit over anything and everything um so they uh they're in same with the person that jay played um, michael michael Azaridis. yeah who is like a greek immigrant guy who never wore glasses but um uh but he was saying like these are just like if you look at it as just a character and they're just trying to tell kind of like the most over the top story they could to to make it funny fun and entertaining yeah i mean that makes a lot of sense again like i think that the matt johnson probably shouldn't have cast himself he should have casted someone else and and focused on the filmmaking aspect uh i also really didn't enjoy the kind of camcorder-esque aspect i don't i can't even remember if it was through the whole film but there's like big chunks of it where they're trying to shoot, like make it feel like you're watching it through like a '90s camcorder. Uh, I mean, the DP on this is Jared uh, Rab. Uh, he worked on um, the Dirties and Operation Avalanche, which are all uh, Matt Johnson productions or whatever. And I just, it just felt fucking cheesy. Like it felt so cheesy. Um, I'm a hundred percent in the minority here, though. Like it hasn't been reviewed as much as like you know a proper big budget film is, but like. 98% from the critics, 93% from the fucking audience. I was just like, uh, I don't know if you guys watch the same fucking movie as me, but no, like for me, like, and it I even, think... it got into Berlin as well. Like it, like it got yeah. into the Berlin film festival. So like, I enjoyed it mainly for, because it is like a satire, right? Like hypothetically, if, if you took out the name Blackberry and you just made this about, you know, a made up company just trying to start, you'd be laughing your ass. Like off, if you called right? it startup or something like that. Yeah, which I'm pretty sure is already a title. Yeah, but anyways, um, Silicon Valley. I'm pretty sure that's a TV show. But anyways, uh, so but but that's the thing. You'd get way more into it, I think, because if I could think why you don't like it, because it's so close to home, um, you're probably like, no, it should be taken seriously and everything like that. But I like to me, I think what made this work so much is because it wasn't like jobs or or anything like that. It was like um like technically like Monty more like Python. office space like, or the office yeah, or something like, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, just fucking doing a, a biopic, which, you know, it is a refreshing take on a biopic, right? Yeah, I could see that. Uh, what I found interesting is that Jim Basile, uh used to be like the chief operator. I think he was the chief operating officer for Sutherland and Schultz. And I'm like, like I did work for Sutherland Schultz when I like as a tradesperson. Like it was just crazy to see these places that like like remember Sutherland Schultz. I nobody out here there is gonna be like Sutherland Schultz was like just up by like where Toyota is. You'd go over the bridge. It would be on the right hand side. It was a massive building. So seeing these, bill, yeah, so seeing all this stuff, it was so crazy because we never see our hometown really on screen when it is used it's something else like we're from cambridge so if you've seen handmaid's tale and you know the wall where they hang everybody that's right by our house (laughs) like (laughs) but it's gilead it's not cambridge 
we do other stuff at that at that at that bridge and that wall. So <laughs> Chris hangs something else over it. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> Um, but, uh, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead, go like ahead. seeing the Waterloo Water Tower, I thought was kind of awesome too, right? Yeah, but yeah, like it, like to me, it was enjoyable, right? Like you take it with a grain of salt because it is not historically accurate, uh, and it is more for satire. But uh, it was, it was fun. Like it kept my interest. Um, I enjoyed I laughed a couple of times, right? Like, yes, it is. Uh, what's the word that I made up? Self-deprecating? Uh, Self-deprecating? Self-deprecating? <laughs> towards Canadians. But it, it was still, like, a fun time to watch, right? But that's almost like Canadian humor often is self-deprecating. You know what I mean? Like, we are, we're very fine. Like, we're totally fine with poking a finger in our own eyes. You know what I mean? Yeah, like the the little nitpick, like oh, I told you that. Uh, I thought you told me you had the best engineers in the world. No, the best engineers in Canada. Yeah, right? it's, that's then... you, you get uh, second place there. Um, I actually really did like um, Glenn Howerton, who's from like that '80s show. The big show people know him from is "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia." Uh, he's on another show called "The Fugitive." I guess it's like a limited series. Um, as Jim Basili. Uh, so my quote is actually about that. Uh, do, 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 do. Okay. Like a shark in a kiddie pool, Howerton delivers the kind of performance that can, that can make a career or force an audience to totally reconsider an actor's potential. I didn't even, first off, I didn't recognize him. And like the prosthetics with the, like the making him bald, like he's not an old guy. Like he's, I think he's in his like thirties or something like that. They made, like he, he totally transforms into the, into the real person. You know what I mean? Aesthetically at least. Yeah, yeah, like uh, I do think his performance was the highlight of the movie. Um, now, quick question: Does this get? And I know because you sent me on our messenger, like uh, you know, the projections for best actor. I didn't read it, but was he on the list? Uh, no, but Jay was, but he wasn't on the like the high part of the list. He was on the like possibly getting a nomination so you would say glenn for supporting because i would say glenn's more the the lead it depends it depends on what you list them as when you submit your documentation right Mm -hmm. so it was weird because it's more of like an ensemble cast um both him and jay i mean he's he's listed higher than jay in like the wikipedia on it um so i would say they're equal because they're kind of like they They're probably the have the same amount of yeah, but yeah, the co-CEOs. But they also have kind of the same amount of screen time. They're just not always together on screen, right? Like he like that whole section about him off doing business and stuff like that, and then Jay obviously doing all the tech stuff back at Rim here in Waterloo, right? So, mm-hmm. um, oh, another another. There's another small cameo that I totally forgot about, and that is the Dread Pirate Roberts himself, Carrie Hughes <laughs> from The Princess Bride. As uh, Carl uh, Yakowski from Palm Pilot. Palm Pilot, yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, fucking it's uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. <laughs> he was also in Op- Operation Fortitude, uh, Ruse de Guerre, which uh, you could check out our show on that as well. Yes, he was. And he, you know, he's the only Robin Hood that's actually English. Oh, yeah, because most of them were American, weren't they? 
that was the joke in fucking Ben and Tights. What no, but I mean, but up to that head? point, I think I think that's actually not just a joke, but an accurate statement. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't uh, look. Yeah, you don't you don't follow a lot of Robin Hoods. Um, so this thing did. It's got a running time of, you know, two hours. Felt fine. Like I think length was fine. I mean, I, I think I was just more angry that it wasn't this serious drama that I thought it was because I couldn't bother to like look at the information. Uh, but even had, the fucking trailer is just jokey as shit. Yeah, but that's the trailer, right? You think, wow, we're going to get into the meat of this thing. Uh, it's got a budget of $5 million and it did a box of $2.6. Uh, I think it'll do well in streaming. Uh, I'm actually, I think $2.6 for a film like this at the box office is pretty good. So that $5 million is, in my opinion, a bit deceiving um, because this... Is gonna. This film took a, took uh, advantage of a lot of the grants that you can get up here in uh, in Canada. So it had the Ontario Creates Telefilm, uh, the Media Fund. Uh, so they would have gotten both money and tax credits uh, directly given to them. So I don't know if that budget is including the tax credits or if that was like the cash that went out, which means they could have gotten like 50% of that money back for their investors just on tax credits or 40% or something like that. Sure. So it may, it may have been, it may actually have broken even. I mean, there wasn't a ton of media behind it. So, you know, they probably at least broke even. Uh, They may have even made a little bit of money uh, already with their box office. So it's definitely done. It's done a, a really good job of raising the pof- profiles of Matt Johnson as a director uh, and his co his co screenwriter and producer Matthew Miller. Uh, they have their little production company, and they've both been signed by like CAA out of Beverly Hills or out of Los Angeles. So they will go on to do other stuff because of this film, regardless of the financial side. And even like the fact that we're talking about Jay, how do you say his last name? I don't know. Baraku. Jay Burt. Marshall? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the fact that, you know, IndieWire and other uh, trade pubs are talking about even the idea or notion that he might get an Oscar nod is huge for this guy, right? Like, yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff, but he's more of like a indie darling. He does a lot of stuff with uh, Seth Rogen as another Canadian. I know they probably like... Yeah, they're stuff. all friends. Yeah. They're all, they're all grew up. I think they all like came up together. But... um um fuck what was i gonna say i don't know what were you gonna say no oh, what were you talking about before this and then you fucking kept on rambling i had uh i don't know something i wanted to bounce off of well i was talking about the tax credits i was kind of talking just about the, i was talking about the acting uh you know stuff that you would talk about on a movie podcast budgets yeah, return know. on investments cinematographer those types of things you know yeah i i don't i don't remember what i was gonna say now so do you I recommend it though? Down. I do. I do. I think it it is fun. It is um um in terms of entertainment wise like you know you'll get a little bit of history in terms of of that and oh that's what I was going to say. Sorry. It just came to me. I think the one missed opportunity on here was actually the Blackberry company itself and not re-releasing one of these phones cuz now they're they've gone away from yeah, cell phone like and they're physical, just a physical software hardware. company. They're just a software company now. But I think in terms of especially like promotion for this movie and everything like that, if they had a limited edition like fucking Blackberry Bold coming out, I think it would have done well. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the best kind of marketing. I mean, I wonder I, I wonder what the increase in sale for the Nike Air Jordan has been since the release of Air. Of Air? Which you can also check out our show that we did on that as well. Well, I, I'll say this. It's like, like the uh, summer of biopics. Yeah, <laughs> but on the on the road trip that I did on the vacation, we we did some. We went to a, a mall there, at Providence, Rhode Island, and they had like a Nike restore, which was all the old Nikes or all the limited edition Nikes that you can get that aren't at like the full locker and stuff. And the amount of money the, those things were like selling for, like there there's a market there, right? And I, I could see they had a lot of those old Jordans up there, and they're fucking pricey as how shit. much how much were you looking at it would range from 500 to a thousand man for a pair of running shoes for a, old, pair, of a pair of old running shoes oh <laughs> uh, i don't know yeah, yeah i don't know like there were some that said they're worn and those were only a hundred bucks and other ones i guess weren't worn out uh like weren't worn yeah and were new but those were the like the super fucking high pricey ones and i'm like i'm like i'm fucking lonely canadian with like you know, no money. I can't. I can't afford this shit. Uh, I so do. In, in that case, please like and subscribe. Tell all your friends. We need. <laughs> Scotty needs a new pair of running shoes. <laughs> uh, I do want to give a shout out to York University, man. Like so many of these actors, like Matt Johnson, the DP, Jared Rad, uh, Matthew Miller. Like they all went to. Actually, no. I think Matthew Miller went to Windsor or something like that. Um, went to York in in their filmmaking program. So. Uh, clearly it's like the closest thing we have definitely here in Ontario to like the Tisch school in New York or something like that. So good on them. Uh, also to all the guys that did start Ram, like, and Jim Basile and, uh, Mike Lazaretti's and stuff, they're still fucking rich. So even though this company like tanked and they basically ran it into the ground, like they're all worth a billion dollars plus still or 800 million. Um, so they did okay. Uh, especially considering, I think that if, if it's correct, Jim Basile put in what? 130 grand <laughs> plus whatever he got his mortgage. Cause he had to pay do payroll. Right. So well, that, uh, that the guy in, uh, that YouTube video that worked at Warren said that it, that was factory inaccurate. Oh, uh, factually he, inaccurate. He, he, he just bought some stock and he only ended up with like 25% of the company. 25 or 2.5. 25%. 25 is pretty big. That's a quarter of the company. Yeah, but in the fucking movie, they were saying he was getting 35 and like all that shit. Oh, okay. like he was, right? But Still, he didn't 20, really I mean, 25% much. of BlackBerry at the top of its game, I think it was like an $80 billion company or something like that. That's a lot of fucking bread, man. Yeah. One day. One day. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, listen. It's it's Canadiana. It's pure CanCon, like from the director to the screenplay to the subject matter. This is a, a like a hundred percent maple syrup kind of film. You know, definitely check it out. I would wait. No offense to the guys. Uh, we hope to actually have them on the show at one point. So I don't want to be too uh, much of an asshole here. Uh, so oh, wait, wait, wait. Too much of an asshole before you're saying I can't stand this guy. <laughs> I couldn't stand <laughs> him in the role. I couldn't stand him in the role. Uh, you just said it in general. Like it's acting. <laughs> yes, acting was not good. It was not good. He's a director. <laughs> wait, Directors hey. should just stay the fuck behind the camera most of the time. Um, but I would just wait. Like this is gonna be on Crave or it's gonna be part of Amazon. Like the, it's gonna get picked up. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how many like a war uh, awards that it maybe does. Uh, I know it also went to South by Southwest and got some nominations there. 
So, like, good on them. Like, local boys make good. Uh, I look forward to seeing what uh, what else these guys bring down. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I'll make a prediction right now. Go, go, Ready? do it. This movie sweeps the Canadian Screen Awards. It sweeps it. So actually, and that was something I meant to do, and I just didn't get around to it. Is I wanted to check to make sure it's going to qualify because the Canadian Screen and I and I actually downloaded their rules and regulations, and I was going through it yesterday. Um, the Canadian, because I actually I listened to an interview with Matt Johnson on Canada Land, and he was talking about his other films like The Dirties and stuff like that, um, because they had gotten funding out of like you know private investors and stuff like that in the U.S. They weren't like they didn't qualify for the Canadian Screen Awards. He's like, so we'd have these films that would go to Sundance. Like he's had a couple films go to Sundance that didn't qualify for like Genies or Gemini's or I can't remember which one was which or when it became the Canadian Screen Awards. So. I don't know. I mean, it does look like it was telefilm funded. Well, it was telefilm funded. So I'm thinking that it means it should have been okay. But it would be interesting to find out that, nope, this film that's kind of like the hottest Canadian film right now doesn't go to the Canadian Screen Awards. And then some fucking bullshit fucking film from Quebec does because it's Quebec. And that's just how things I was going to say, why do you got to... Like, you just fucking pounce on everybody, eh? You can't just say some other film, you know, makes it. You're just like, Well, listen, we're going to we're gonna be doing a show about the Canadian Screen Awards, and I'm going to have to, I'm going to be laying out some of my fucking opinions on just the way this whole thing is structured. This year's Canadian Screen Awards was a fucking shit show debacle. Go, go check out, check it out on YouTube. I think like six people have watched it. All right. So. What? The YouTube of the Canadian Screen Awards. They're red carpet and for everybody else i just air quoted there so uh the canadian screen awards should be better it's not uh and a lot of times it's because the films they let in are not necessarily the best we have to offer because they basically handcuff canadian filmmakers it's like do you want to make a good movie with a good budget or do you want to go to canadian screen awards so there you go and that is our wrap for the day. Please like and subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends. If you want to get a hold of us, reach us at the www.howdyoulikethatmovie.com. You shut up. <laughs> That's why I just would like close my eyes and not listen to you. Because I'm like, you can't shut me up. Nobody puts Chris in the corner. <laughs> Nobody puts baby in the corner. Uh, yeah, I like how I just like at the end, I was just like, I love Canadian film. Watch me just punch it in the fucking jejunum. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was just like, oh, I would love to have these guys here. One. Uh, a director should never be in the film. Fuck this guy. <laughs> oh, and your buddy who's like a really famous Canadian actor? Fucking awful. I can't stand him. Production by Rod Shaver, Vader Monkey Productions.